Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Ash Oro with another episode of EOS.radio. I've got my wonderful co-host, Zane Whitener here. Zane, hey, man, thanks for joining us today. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, today we're going to be talking about referendums, and it is the 16th of January, 2016, and this episode of EOS.radio is sponsored by the Freedom Proxy. Come check us out, freedomproxy.org. Referendums were recently launched on EOS, and it's a really big deal, and it's one of the reasons that I think EOS is by far head and shoulders above a lot of these other blockchains. Although it's not the first one to do it, Dash has been doing referendum type stuff for years. This is the first real (laughs) blockchain that has uh, big referendum support, and we're really looking forward to it. I brought a couple people on the show who were instrumental in creating the referendums, and I want to pull out some of their stories about just what it meant to uh, build this thing. You know, it's something we thought that Block One might give us back in the day. It wasn't. And so now we're seven months in. We've got live referendums. So um, let's go around and just have everyone introduce themselves. We've got Daniel from EOS Nation. Hey there. Thanks for having me, Ash. Happy to be here talking about the uh, the referendum. It's a really exciting time for both myself and the EOS community. I'm a COO and co-founder of EOS Nation, and I was uh, really proud to be able to take part in, in contributing as a project manager to the referendum system. Well, and we've got Rohan from EOS Authority. Uh, hey, hello. I'm Rohan from EOS Authority, based in London. Uh, we worked on one of the first portals that actually implement the entire uh, EOS voting system, then have polls and referendums. So, yeah, we've been involved for about two, three months now. I'm really pleased to see it in action. No doubt. Then we got a couple of team members from EOS Canada. Josh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, so, my role for this has really been a matter of being a, a community liaison. EOS Canada, Matthew, who introduced himself in a sec, he wrote uh, most of the, the code. So, a matter of explaining what the code does and how to work with it and how to interact with it. That was uh, kind of my main role there. It's just got to be one of my favorite words, liaison. Hey, Matt, how are you doing, man? So I'm pretty good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the invitation. So I'm Matthew from US Canada Diffuse. Uh, I'm the one who developed uh, most, if not all, of the smart contract based on previous work from Alex and uh, even Dan Larimer. And uh, I work with a community through Josh to actually get everything as everyone wanted to be the best system possible. Awesome. And Zane, hey man, welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be here. You know, un- go ahead. Oh, I wanted to jump in. I just noticed that our EOS Radio YouTube has gone over 200 subscribers. We're at 229. Woo-hoo, all right. Very exciting to see. In less than a Hope month. You guys Thank are enjoying you. everything. Yeah, that's great. And unfortunately, that's this nice. show is not going to be live because we are having trouble connecting to YouTube yeah. live today, but yeah. the show must go on. So fellas, uh, this is a round table. So Zane and I aren't here to lead the conversation. We're just here to guide the conversation. You guys are more than welcome to talk to each other, ask each other questions, interrupt each other, debate each other, agree, you know, whatever you want to do. It's pretty much no rules as long as uh, me and Zane don't have to lead the conversation. So uh, so let's just start with you, Daniel, and give us an idea of when you started with the referendums and what it was like. You guys, you project manager people, I've never really understood how you can stay so uh, organized. But <laughs> when did you get into it? And just what were some of the early things that you started learning? Yeah, it was, it was a challenge for sure. This is brand new to me working in the blockchain space, working on a, a decentralized project like this. Uh, you know, I came from 
from banking world, uh, working in, in a financial technology company, doing a lot of product project management work. Um, and coming now to, to EOS where this was a project that was being contributed to by members of many different teams who are actually competing against each other. Um, really would put an interesting twist on, on the whole thing. Um, and it all started, you know, looking, looking back six months ago, uh, as, as most things do on EOS on telegram, um, the, you know, I, I saw a, a kind of a call to action from, I think it was actually Sheriff from EOS Dublin had put out a, a, a message, I think in, in the EOS gov saying, Hey, you know, we're th thinking of pulling together a team to start working on this referendum system that, that, uh, you know, that has been promised as, as part of the, as part of what makes EOS so special. Um, at the time, I really had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, I, I kind of had this idea that we were going to be building a, a voting portal similar to what had to be done when, when BP voting was, uh, was being, when the portals for BP voting were being made. Uh, turned out we learned pretty quickly. Uh, it was much bigger than that. We had to actually, you know, build the whole underlying protocol. Um, so really happy that, that EOS Canada was, in, was involved to, to help with that. Yeah, Canada. What, how how did you guys help out early on? What was your entry point into into the whole referendum idea? Uh, Vashon, I'll let you take that one since you were there uh, right at the beginning with Alex uh, writing up the code. Sure, sure. So um, when I joined uh, US Canada back in, I would say, start of August, uh, that was in fact the first big task that I was uh, assigned to, and and Alex just kind of throw me uh, this smart contract with not much in it and told me, oh, you need to implement the, the referendum system. And it was quite of an adventure because at that point when I started to actually code it, it there was a lot of ongoing discussion about uh, how it was going to look like, how it was going to, uh, uh, there was a lot of, of like big design decision about what the contract should do. Should he record just a vote and, and stuff like that? And, and, and we went through a couple of iterations based on that uh, with the back and forth from uh, Danielle and, and Rohan and other members of the, the team. And Josh got involved quite uh, rapidly because uh, it's, it's hard to actually, like he said, it's hard to actually do everything like that and coordinate with everyone to get what is the latest answer about some implementation detail. So I, I thank him for helping me out through that. And so, yeah. So like, like Matt was saying, there was a lot of, let's design something, we coded it up and then, you know, you write it, you push it out there and three guys look at it and go, Oh, but did you think about this? And it's, it's a lot, a lot of back and forth. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of late nights, interesting discussions. And a lot of this tech stuff is a little bit above my head. So it was really interesting to see like uh, Alex from our team talking with, you know, Jesta from Graymast and have these long two hour discussions over Telegram and I'm just learning tons and tons of stuff. They're going super deep. It's uh, it's incredible to watch the amount of depth of, of thought that went into a lot of uh, design of it. Yeah, what was yeah. some, what was some early stuff that you found that you guys were like, it turned out being obvious that it, you needed to pivot, you know, even with some of the design stuff, the code design stuff, or even maybe, you know, the functionality design stuff, like, well, what are some lessons that you learned early that you're like, Oh crap, if we remember that, you know, we'd have saved two weeks or something. We went through a lot of iterations. Um, and we actually EOS 42 deserves some credit. I think they built the, the first iteration of the, of the smart contract when we first started doing this about six months ago. And we were, 
And again, it was, we would build something and then we would play around with it and we'd say, oh, that doesn't exactly work um, as, as we saw fit. And one of the problems that we were debating very early on was this idea of how do we prevent, how do we avoid voter apathy and prevent spam proposals? Mm. And I think that's something that there was a lot of debate when we first started. Um, and then we, over time, building it and working through this problem and debating, uh, I think the entire team that has been working on it kind of came to the same same place and we're all really, uh, really pleased with, with kind of the solution we came to and, and, and that's basically we've left it wide yes. open. Yeah, so do you mind talking about what that problem is and then talk, walking us through like how, how the thinking of solving that? Sure. So part of the problem is um, the requirements that we were working with are very vague. You know, all that we have to work with is Article 11 of the Constitution, which explains the rules for amending the Constitution, uh, which in a nutshell are, you, you know, in order to amend this Constitution, you need a referendum that achieves 15% of vote participation, 10% more yes than no votes sustained for 30 days within a 120-day period. Um, that's essentially all we had to work with in terms of these are the rules that we have to adhere to. Um, but we had a lot of concerns coming from folks from the community, especially guys for, like Thomas Cox, who has a lot of experience working with kind of referenda in the, in the real world. Um, how you, know, you need to have some kind of way to, have, to prevent voter apathy, prevent spam. But at the same time, we don't have any authority to do things like implement a fee, um, to, we don't have any authority to say only BPs are the legit entity who are allowed proposing things. Um, these are all things that were raised as possible solutions. Like, hey, maybe we should only let the 15 out of 21 um, be the ones to put forward a proposal. And then it would be up to the community to lobby them to create that proposal. Mm, right. Um, but but as, we, you know, as we continued debating this, uh, we found that I think the best way is, is really a true free market kind of approach where... At the base layer, there's no filtering whatsoever. Anybody can submit anything they want. Um, but the another beautiful thing about this referendum system is that we made it in, uh, made sure that any UI that wants to can build on top of it. Um, and we've given we put the power in the hands of UI developers to control the experience for their users. So if they don't want to subject their users to spam, um, they can build in whatever type of filters they want. And if users don't like that UIs are filtering, then they can choose a UI that's not filtering. Mm. Uh, so it kind of lets it kind of work. It reminds me of the Steam approach where there's multiple front ends to the Steam blockchain. And exactly. different, different ones show different things. Mm. That's right. Yeah, and also just to elaborate more on the spam and how to kind of control it, we, we had to touch upon the decision. You know, if someone has an account, let's say their account 1234, and they want to make a proposal, is that the only proposal they can make? Uh, we decided to go with, you know, they can make as many proposals as they want at a given time. And that one of the first filters would be the, their account name. So let's say Everipedia, for example, wanted to use the referendum system. They could say, hey, everyone, go look at the Everipedia um, referendums because they're going to be under our account name. And then they can have their own community voting on stuff that's pertinent to themselves. Um, so it's another way of making it more flexible on how people can use it. And then UIs would eventually be able to, if it gets used in that way, the UIs would be able to say, hey, these are the Everipedia referendums. Or maybe we could eventually have, you know, 15 of 21 of the VPs push through a, a proposal, and then you'd be able to filter by, here are the BP-backed uh, proposals, mm. things like that. 
and that's how we can help uh, with the voter apathy. Yeah, I saw there was a here are the proxy where the proxies are voting or where what the proxies are are submitting as referendums. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, Rohan, hey man, can you hear us? Uh, yes, loud and clear. Yeah. Welcome back to the show. Um, <laughs> I had to move. What, 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 what did you learn? Yeah, what, what did you learn early on? Because I think you yeah, were trying so, um, to run ins. We um, started working on the on the poll system about three months ago. And uh, uh, I was at the Block One Hackathon in San Francisco. And then uh, someone walked up to me and said, Hey, check out Dash's amazing voting portal. And uh, they showed how quickly you can vote and then how, how you see some stats pop up and all of that. And I was like, hey, we can make something even better. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about all of this from the UI side. I got involved fairly early on, like about six months ago, as Dennis uh, and they mentioned. At that point, it was all very vague. Nobody was sure how it will work, what the underlying, uh, how everything works. Uh, if you look at the smart contract, it's not too many lines of code either. It doesn't take this long to code up. It's all getting on consensus on how it will work how the whole thing should work and all of that. That's the most effort really. Uh, it was only about two months back that we could actually start thinking of how the UI will work and uh, yeah, things like that. So that's when we really got involved. So, so with the UI, like, are you finding that users are confused about it? This is something that has haunted the blockchain space for 10 years now. Or do you think the UIs are pretty, pretty self-explanatory and you don't have to read the freaking manual? Uh, the UIs are, I, I think they're self-explanatory. The questions are yes, no. It, it's fairly straightforward. I think people don't understand exactly how we decide the polls. So some people are like, hey, I can see yes winning over no. When it expires, does it mean that you're going to implement it straight away? And we go back and say, no, it's not really that way. We have certain conditions on thresholds and all of that. We try to make it clear on our website, but I don't think people pick it up as well as what we hope so that's the only thing. but voting as such is fairly quick i think they all there's no there's no issue there i suspect the ui experience is going to continue to improve over time as as again more and more users are playing with them giving feedback i'm very pleasantly surprised at where we are at now like the fact that we've got already i think dozens of different uis that are supporting it uh, both wallets and portals and uh, I, I think I was expecting that maybe we would have a handful of UI supporting it at launch. Uh, but the fact that we already have you know, over a dozen that way, anybody who, you know, token holders can service themselves in the platform they're already comfortable in. You know, if they're, if they're using, for example, the gray mass wallet, they can vote for a referendum right from within that wallet. Um, and uh, yeah, the gray mass team was involved uh, from the very beginning in helping us kind of design uh, how can we ensure that 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 will work? Um, and they did a, did a great job with that. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think the the current UI for these referendums is actually really great. I, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. I I mainly use the Blocks.io, and it's the, the just the experience in EOS in general is leagues better than any other blockchain I've ever used. I mean. Just, I know this is a little bit off topic, but just the idea of being able to log into something using your blockchain account is, it's revolutionary, but it seems so damn simple. You and know, I don't have to create a different account on every single different portal I go to. It's following me around. It's great. 
it, I bring my identity. I bring my tokens. I bring my goods. My, I literally bring my digital goods anywhere I go. And then as soon as I'm done with your site, I take them all away from you. And that's just, and that's just how it works. It's great. But yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, who, which I guess let's just give some shout outs to some of the best UIs that you guys use for interacting with the referendums. I I'll think, throw out uh, US Authority. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on their site right now looking at it. They've got some great stats. They've even added comments. I know that's a feature that not every UI supports, but they've got a really nice comment section so you can actually vote and then talk about it below it and see yeah. other people. And are those uh, comments on chain? Yep. And, yeah. and, and what, Josh, what difference do you think that makes, having comments on chain and moving some of this discussion and bickering at times out of Telegram and, and on chain, publicly on chain? <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Mathieu put in a, a vote JSON. Um, so basically what that means, for people that don't know, is when you cast your vote, let's say you cast a zero for no, um, you can also say, I voted no because, and then mm. that would be within this vote JSON. And the, the, the UIs can parse through that and grab that info and display it. So uh, eos-forum.org, they're one of the first uh, UIs to actually use the referendum contract way before there was even referendums, they basically built Reddit on top of EOS. And so people were able to go to that site and discuss things in a threaded fashion. Same for um, uh, all these proposals. They can do that right now. They can go and discuss it and say, here's why I voted yes, here's why I voted no. You can do that within your vote itself. And so uh, Rohan right away, I, I remember him seeing, saying that, you know, we need to integrate this into our UI as well because it's super valuable because mm -hmm. people now explain themselves rather than just casting a vote where someone like, you know, yourselves at Freedom Proxy, if you're controlling a large swath of votes, being able to tell the community why you voted a certain way and also your own constituents why you voted a certain way. Because maybe they'll have a, a slightly different take and then they'll be able to use the, the override feature and, you know, say, hey, I agree with you guys for everything except for this one little thing. I'm going to vote the opposite. Okay, let's talk about the override feature. What, what does that mean? Has that been implemented and how do you see that being used? Yeah, so it's, or, it's already um, on the system. Basically, uh, to anyone who doesn't know, if let's say you're using a proxy like Freedom Proxy or any other one, they vote yes on proposal whatever, mm -hmm. and you disagree with them, you can now go and vote no on that proposal, and your weight will go back to yourself and be removed from Freedom Proxy, and your uh, vote of no will now count towards the no column. Just for that individual referendum. For, for that so individual if, one. If, we voted, if we voted again, we would still have your voting power, unless exactly. you specifically yep. took it away. Matt. Did you code that? That's genius. Uh, no, in fact, it's, uh, it, it's all implemented in the Votali, so the contract is not involved with that kind of information. And that was one of the first initial de design decision that the contract is fully generic. Mm. Uh, we record your vote, we record some metadata in JSON format, and, and we, left, we leave the world do whatever they want with it. So I, You know, I love that because... I mean, you know, Zane and I run Freedom Proxy, obviously, and we're, you could call us active in the community. <laughs> and we've been voting on referendums already. And people have been contacting me, like in DMs and personally, and saying like, hey, you know, some things you guys, you, you guys manage all my voting power, but I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that. So I think I'm going to pull my vote back off of Freedom Proxy. And I don't think that they know that they can vote individually is that obvious on any of the uis currently because i want my constituents knowing that they can override us anytime without pulling away all their all their us yeah so on our ui uh, if you log in with scatter or links 
we tell you immediately that hey you have proxied your vote weight to say freedom proxy mm. and they have voted yes um do you want to override and they can override uh, at least they know that you have voted and they don't have to vote if they agree with you uh what we do is on our tally system we show uh what a freedom proxy's vote weight is we deduct people who over override your vote on that particular poll so it's kind of good to keep it in one proxy so we tell people hey freedom proxy has voted if you haven't voted we still tell them your vote weight is proxy if you vote it will override so we just started that a couple of days ago as well that that's uh, i actually didn't know that so you learn something new every day that that creates a lot of flexibility and ownership over voting that i was afraid that would be a little bit too top heavy with the proxies so yeah, yeah that, that's great uh, so well to go alongside something like that us canada's got probably the best guide i think they even titled it answers to every question you have about the us referendum contract <laughs> i like the confidence. I, was, I was flipping through it and i hit page down about 15 times it's packed full of stuff we'll josh did an awesome job with that i saw that yeah, yeah super I, impressive it gets into some spent, of the more technical things um, yeah, I, I spent an, an entire entire day just going oh. through all the questions i've been getting and just writing out answers and i still have i'm going to add more because i'm still getting a few other ones yeah i'm noticing some of the explanations i gave to me sounded complete but i know too much so right. I actually go further and give examples and you know give a more detailed answer at times. But yeah, it's uh the amount of questions we're getting is enormous and I'm glad that we're getting the questions cuz that means people are yeah. interested they want to learn. It yeah. means there's still opportunity in the design too, which is one of my favorite parts. Well, what are some of the main questions that you've been getting, Josh? Uh, a lot of a lot of it's been around, you know, does it take RAM to vote? Yes, it does. How much RAM um do I get that RAM back? Things like that and the, the answer is it takes a tiny bit of RAM. you get that ram back after people are are trying to figure out hey how do i make sure i get my ram back but there's a lot of implementation details that you as a user don't need to know so people mm-hmm. talk about you know great ux and ui there's a lot of stuff that people should know and there's a lot of stuff you don't need to know so in terms of getting your ram back it'll come back to you the way it works is after after a proposal is expired then people will be able to what's called clean it which means get it all out of ram it all exists on chain still but it's out of the ram so it's not easily you know just grabable right away um, right. so the big difference is someone can do that for everyone not not everyone has to go and clean their own ram i can do that for every user so you don't have to worry about those little details we want to purposely obfuscate some of that away yeah. because if you have to learn a ton you might not actually want to learn we want to make it super simple you go into a ui you vote yes you vote no or whatever you want to do and that's all you really need to know yeah do, do we think that and i'm not exactly sure why it takes ram and maybe that's a a a question for matt but do you see that as being any type of hurdle i mean any real hurdle for smaller maybe somebody that just owns 100 eos a hurdle for voting uh in fact if we go back to the early day of the the i would say the implementation of the referendum system by everyone i think it was a big debate about who should pay for the ram and and there was a lot of ongoing discussion about uh how much it going to cost and stuff like that and and like people said like Josh it's a tiny amount in the end it's it's like uh i i i figure out it's like 0.2 eos that you need to pay for a vote or something like that 0.025 right now 0.025 yeah so that's so what eos even at 100 eos that's not going to be too much Yeah. Yeah, and also what people don't realize is you do you do pay rams. I mean, you 
it's you do incur some ramp cost even for voting for block producers even if you vote for proxy so it's yeah and is we, the, go ahead daniel yeah, we, this is something we, that was another thing that we were debating early. Actually, the first iteration of, of the contract did not include uh, an ability to store the vote in a table like it does now. Uh, and there, were, there was going to be no cost to the user to vote. But the problem that that created was if you were to look at your, if you were to go back to a portal where you had already voted, it, it would forget what you like whether or not you have already voted on this proposal what your vote was when um, we felt that it was really important for that user experience that a, a voter knows what they voted for and they can very easily see that in the UI uh, and especially given the fact that that RAM is being returned to them and they actually have the power to you can unvote you know there's a button on most UIs that says unvote oh there it is yeah 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 so uh, if you know if you're strapped for RAM and uh, you need that 0 0.025 back in an, in an emergency. Sometimes that Rex vote just isn't worth it anymore. That's right. That's right. You do have the power. Uh, let's get a little bit nerdy here, Matt, just because I come from an engineering background. What, what is specifically being stored in that RAM that the user is having to pay for? So what, what you are storing uh, in the RAM, first, it's, the, it's your vote row. So uh, as you may know or, or may not know, there's, uh, for each contract, you can store uh, n full of amount of tables. And the tables as a row where we store some data about what we want to store. So in, in this case, we, we, we store, yes, the vote, the vote value, which is, is tiny. It's uh, 8 bits. And we store the, the JSON also. So you... you Mainly, you pay for your vote value, which is 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 ridiculous, and then you pay for the vote JSON that is being generated, with some small metadata about the proposal you voted on and stuff like that. Uh, what you pay also is kind of the ability to um, to search the table because we create secondary indexes on the table to search differently. So instead of searching just by voter, we might search all voter for this particular proposal. So that cost RAM also. So you pay for kind of the ability to search and you pay for your vote value mainly. And after the vote expires, after the referendum expires, there's some trash collection that comes through and releases all that RAM for everyone? So when, when the proposal expires, there's a three days period grace where uh, nothing can be done on the proposal yet. And when this period is, is over, you can actually call an action clean proposal that will in batch in batch i think josh made some tests and he's able to actually delete 100 votes or people that voted in fact uh per per call so uh when you clean the proposal at some point your vote will be removed from the table and you will be regiven your your ram so if we have questions about uh vote counts josh is the guy to put the f fire to his feet yeah, yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay, just making sure we got that straight here. And um, I'll pass the, uh, the blame to someone else. Don't yeah, worry. well, that's how it works. I mean, a, a rolling stone gathers no moss here. Um, so let, let's talk about voter turnout because this is something very hot topic in a lot of the Telegram channels and on Twitter. Uh, the hunt, We had a difficult time reaching 150 million votes just to get the, the chain launched. And I believe it may have taken uh, some exchange voting, et cetera. What do you what what is what are your impressions of the current thresholds for voting? Be it the time, the amount, how much the yeses have to have above the nos, and and where do you see this going if it potentially stalls? So it's uh, it's a, a very important question, I think. 
Uh, my personal opinion is it's going to be a really long time before we see uh, any proposal reach the 150, I think it's 154 million right now that it needs. It's 15% of whatever the current um, supply is on chain. Mm. Um, I think it might be, maybe we'll see one or two per year past that, if that. Mm. And I think what's really going to get us there is the ability to abstain. So I'll, I'll just quickly uh, uh, talk about that. So right now, if you vote for a referendum, you say no, your vote value is zero. If you vote for a yes, your vote value is one. But let's say you went in and you, you cast a vote of seven, which is not associated to either yes or no. Your, your vote wouldn't be given to either yes or no, but it would be counted towards the participating vote um, amount. So let's say block one thinks, hey, I don't want to influence the community, yes or no, in a particular aspect. But I think this is super important. I want to make sure the community you know, sees that we think it's important. We're going to cast our 100 million votes towards this thing uh, with a vote of seven which won't affect the yes or no, and whatever the people who vote on that proposal think should, should happen, be it through yes or, or no, then that's what's going to end up happening. I think we're going to see things like that, where a whale doesn't want to specifically influence the vote, but they think it's super important and should be voted on and should see a change one way or the next. Yeah, that, that's interesting, because it gives them the ability to support the idea, but not go yay or nay. Yeah, it's yeah. not an acknowledgement. Yeah, swing it one way or the other because block one has a huge wallet and some larger funds might also say well we have both parties in our fund we don't want to upset a or b we acknowledge that this is important for the whole community mm. let's participate but not sway it yeah. one thing I'll, I'll add to that and i i agree completely with josh that uh it's a high bar i think it's going to be really difficult to hit uh, i agree like maybe we'll see one or two that that are that are hitting that each year um the way i look at governance on EOS is essentially it's the 15 out of 21 multi-sig of the top 21 BPs and the votes of token holders, um, you know, to hold those BPs accountable. Um, the threshold is outlined in the constitution. It's the interim constitution that it's, that kind of outlines, this is the threshold. Um, it's, you know, what, what, what will happen if we get to a point where we never hit that threshold I don't know, but at the end of the day, what, the way that I see it is this referendum is really just a signal to help token holders tell block producers, this is what we want. This is our intent. We can prove it cryptographically with our staked tokens that, uh, you know, rather than just sticking your finger up in a telegram channel and, and getting the, the loudest voice, we're, right. we're actually looking at, you know, the, the true um, sentiment of, of staked tokens mm. um, perhaps it never gets to the point where we hit that threshold but we still have that governance system with 15 out of 21s are going to be looking at that and maybe this will give them a little bit more uh, courage or encouragement to kind of move forward with uh, potentially things that maybe they're not currently uh, wanting to take action on yeah let's keep running with that idea uh, the referendums being basically opinion polls for the community to express themselves token holders versus what I've heard some people that mostly are pro ECAF people wanting to write it into the constitution that block producers are obliged to execute if a referendum passes with the required number of votes, you know, within the parameters of the referendum. What, what, what do you think about those two very different opinions? I think uh, like Daniel was touching on, we are on a deep loss chain. And right now, for a, a referendum to pass, it will need at minimum 85 million yes votes. There's gonna, 
that could also have you know the the 65 million other no votes at the same time but that means there's 85 million votes that want something to happen so if you're a block producer and you're you were told by the community very very clearly that we've met this high bar and you're we're supposed to we're expecting you to do this and sign that proposal and you don't well it's very very simple for them to get other people in to get that proposal signed so to me i is is it a possibility they don't sign sure but that's it's committing VP suicide almost at that point. Mm, right. So so they're not bound by a constitution. They're bound by the the forces of the voter free market. Exactly. 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 So you you guys are in agreement that there shouldn't be some enforcement policy or enforcement organization written into the constitution to force the current VPs to execute these uh, these successful referendums. Let's say. No, I, in my opinion, no, because that's DPoS. Uh, why are we trying to change the nature of DPoS? Mm. And if the community is willing to vote for, you know, over a period of 30 days and keep those votes sustained, and then they don't do anything to vote out a non-compliant BP after that, mm-hmm. we have other problems going on that uh, need to be addressed. 85 million is a lot of a voting power. I think that would get somebody up in the top 10 or so right now, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. a question I have about voting out BPs, you know, I think a lot about this. Um, let's say a referendum passes and two out of the 21 BPs just simply don't want, you know, they don't like it. They're against it. Maybe it's Rex or something. Who knows? What do you think about having the ability to downvote using your votes to remove votes from a BP as opposed to only positive votes to try to get your team in? Maybe your votes could get someone out because you're voting nay instead of yay for someone. A little curveball here, but- You're, you're suggesting like a no vote for a BP, similar like we yeah. can do a yes and no vote for a referendum. Exactly. It would be possible to subtract. And then they get the sum, right? Yeah. It's not a problem that I've thought through very, uh, you know, this is the first time I've heard that suggested. So I would say that's an interesting idea, but I haven't thought through it to give an educated response. Sure. You know, it, we're, seems like, it seems like if you have one vote per token, that would make more sense. But if we, that's have, what 30, I was gonna say. If we have 30 to sling around, you right. pick the top 20 favorites and all of a sudden you, just, you can really, I mean, that makes selling those votes even more powerful in a way. Because there is no vote someone out. There's only vote someone in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if we have a one to one vote, you know, Brandon's been talking about this and I think there's a lot of, a lot of credit to some of the ideas behind a one to one vote. But if we move to a one to one vote, I, if I disagree with you as a BP, I don't want to just vote my guy in. It might be better to vote you out. I, I don't know. I'm just, just, just tossing up ideas. I, I know that Zane and I can speak more freely because we don't, we don't need your votes uh, <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, could, I could see the value and it's, it's like the, in a case of a, of a bad actor, having, having the ability of token holders to call out of someone they see as a bad actor and, and voting them out as opposed to only being able to uh, put votes towards someone they believe is good. It's right. the other side of that coin, uh, which currently doesn't seem to have um, something directly in place uh, in use for that. Yeah. Because it's always been heard that block producers can come together and dereg somebody, but then there's, well, they can just re-reg right back, get the same votes right back. And what, what, what have we actually done here? You know, if, if active proxies or active voters can jump in and say, no, 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 I remember these guys. I go to yeah. their website and I remember it and I'm going to make a on-chain <laughs> statement that maybe can be publicly known or something. You know, I got I the idea it, from Steam. I, I think it just gives more opportunity for more than just BPs to the, 
deregging. Yeah. It's like in Steam, if I think that you're some troll and you upvoted yourself, well, I can downvote you and take away some of your rewards. Well, I want to downvote BPs and take away their rewards if they're being, you know, asshats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, I, um, so let's, maybe we should start a poll for that. Just yeah, may, maybe we do. <laughs> maybe that's the first freedom proxy <laughs> referendum. Um, speaking of creating referendums, I've noticed that, you know, as we wait on worker proposal referendum to to get approved and who knows if that's ever going to get approved. Uh, it was something in the original constitution. It was something that I'm still on the fence about, about using inflation to try to build specifically infrastructure. I think I can get behind that. We haven't voted on it yet, but Zane and I are talking about it every day here. How, what do you guys think about people using the referendum as a temporary worker proposal system? Uh, Rohan. Uh. Yeah, there is no direct poll type. We have a referendum poll type. We have a yes-no poll type. Yeah, we could probably create a yes-no poll, something like that, and then, yeah, technically, yes, possible. (laughs) But, yeah, uh, yeah, we could also change the UIs to make it appear clearer and things like that. Daniel, do we even need a, a WPS itself, or can we just use referendum? That's a, that's a good question. I think the, the WPS uh, needs, re- you know, referendum is a key piece. It's kind of like this is, you use referendum to enact kind of the worker proposal. Josh probably has the best insight on this. I think he's been involved with the, the worker proposal group. You could probably talk through kind of how, how worker proposal fits with referendum. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I've been involved with WPS actually since before I was with uh, working on the referendum stuff. Um, the WPS in my opinion, needs a referendum to come into existence. And I think we're better off not relying on getting, you know, 15% participation for every single WPS that's needed because there are certain things that are super important mm-hmm. that may not be understood by everyone that, um, you know, we need to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say delegate responsibility, but we should be able to trust some experts in the space to say, you know, is this thing worth voting on? And then maybe it doesn't need 15% participation. They would say, hey, this thing is super important. We vetted this and it makes a lot of sense and would, in our opinion, be useful. Now, okay, you guys vote on it. And, you know, as long as you get 5% participating or whatever the number may be, that we have a way of actually passing things through without needing to wait, you know, two, three, four months at a time because there are a lot of important projects that I think need to be done. Mm-hmm. And and I th- I believe our next EOS radio is going to be specifically on the worker proposal. Although I think that uh, it's had a rebrand to Common Development Fund. Uh, yes. So I, I think I, that is probably a better name. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting. You know, it's I I've I've definitely gone back and forth being a big supporter of voluntary inflation. I mean, I, the hashtags on my Twitter account. You know, I'm, I've given presentations on the idea of voluntary inflation versus seeing the EOS token as a store of value. Do, you, do any of you see the EOS token as a store of value? Or do you think that inflation could be used uh, since it, it could build out infrastructure more quickly? I mean, I, I think Block One's done a good job sh- building something that's a utility token. I mean, if you look at the times where we were in CPU over congestion for you know, a week or two at a time, you needed to get more of this utility token to use it. Like if that's not the definition of utility token, then what is, right. um, I, I don't think, uh, I mean, it would be great, but I don't think we'll ever see a day of an EOS token being worth a hundred dollars because 
there's no need to actually hold that token for a long, long period of time. The, it's utility. You buy it when you need it, use it, and then that's it. Right. Uh, I think that's a, a great system in itself. The crypto space isn't about making money. The crypto space is about changing how we use you know, the, the internet. Let's not rely on this old archaic system anymore. Let's build something new that has other you know, verifiable and auditable, auditable traces built in. Mm-hmm. Daniel, what, what do you think about the EOS token? A lot of people want it to be a store of value, I think, because we all came from either the gold or the Bitcoin world for the most part, where both of those are are marketed as store of values. But do you are, are you in favor of using inflation to try to build out uh, you know public works projects, if you will? I hate that term, but um, you know, be it fundamentals, technical stuff, plumbing of the EOS blockchain, be it uh, conferences or sporting meetups, or, or where do you currently stand on that? Sure, uh, I'm a little. I'm still a little on the fence on that one, like you. Um, my hesitation doesn't come so much from the fear of using inflation as it does uh, the potential of it being misused you know having uh, having a slush fund out there that is that is just being used to uh, you know pay out the the biggest whales uh, i think that's a risk that um is uh, you know I, i've seen a lot of people talk about that risk and i think there's definitely a, a case to be made for that um again not something that i've did dive like really deep into um, it's just, I've seen enough arguments on both sides that I'm hesitant to, to say that there's one that's necessarily better than the other. I've, um, and I would say that the safest bet would be to not have one. It's kind of where I'm leaning. Yep. I definitely agree with you there. Um, uh, float another idea here. Do you think, so let's assume, let's put on our hats here. Let's assume that worker proposals, and I bring up worker proposals because it's very interesting and it's obviously has so much to do with referendums as well. So I see them as as pretty similar. Um, Do you guys think that worker proposals, every worker proposal should be approved by the community? Or do you think that there's an allocated amount of money that goes to maybe a smaller experienced working group that then manages, maybe project manages or decides where some of this money should be allocated? I, my personal opinion is um, segregating and making smaller working groups makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the WPS proposal that we put forth actually has uh, a request for different governance structures to come up for each different category because we don't know what's going to work best. You know, No one does. Uh, I study economics and the one thing I know about economics is every different stream of economics is right until they're not. Mm-hmm. One always ends up mm-hmm. working out because there's so many different variables that are at play. Mm-hmm. So we have no idea what's going to be the correct one. So you know maybe the, uh, the stream in the WPS that deals with infrastructure will be run in such and such way because you know, that's super technical and it, it needs people who really understand the proposals that are coming in. And we don't need you know, average Joe Blow voting on that because they don't understand it. At you know, all. This EOS, there's like maybe uh, a few hundred people in the world who really understand it. And I think I'm overestimating there. So why should everyone else have the same opinion, uh, same value uh, for their opinion as, you know, the guy who really, really understands it? Yeah. And for any news outlets listening by hundred, he means hundreds of millions around the world. So I just wanted to clear that dun, dun, up. Dun. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's super cool. Um, my, my Austrian economics background wants to see the EOS token as a store of value and say, don't, don't, don't screw with my value with your inflation. 
But the more I think about it, I, you know, I, I agree with you, Josh, that it's a, it is the definition of a utility token. There is no chance that the US SEC, for instance, can come out and say that this is a, a security. I mean, of course they can because they're tyrannical, but uh, <laughs> we'll see about that. And I think we've got a cool opportunity to experiment right now, you know? Yeah, let's do we've, it. We've got a fund now. Yeah, we've got worst, a fund. Worst comes to worst, it does turn into a slush fund. Right. And, okay, some people will get some unearned rewards and then we'll learn our lesson. And, and we'll pull it back. Yeah, I mean, you um, know. Well, I don't we know. Had a, um, um, the USS had an infrastructure problem, so we had uh, the API nodes kept crashing. So a lot of the block parties have got together and we pulled a little bit of uh, some funds together. We put it into a smart contract and then we got a developer to like start working on it. But then the price of the EOS tokens crashed completely, and then Becca is like, oh, it's not worth my time. So it, it's right there. So I was wondering, yeah, how we pay for real world projects, how the token prices affect all of that. Uh, it's going to be complicated. Yeah. I mean, you know, Saeed was talking about um, using the WPS maybe only for infrastructure. Uh, because it could get us such a, a jump start ahead of, you know, I mean, we're already light years ahead, at least years ahead of these other, um, some of these other chains like Ethereum, for instance. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, the EOS mainnet is kind of the experimental net. It's the experimental mainnet. And let's learn a lot of lessons on this thing. I mean, I, I've said for a while that I think the EOS mainnet is uh, maybe too diversified in both opinion and culturally speaking. And so why don't we use the WPS, at least for infrastructure, and that's the argument that I'm making, is just see what we can build with it. And we're gonna learn some lessons and we're not, we're, there's gonna be malinvestment and you know, maybe the token price suffers or maybe it doesn't, maybe it gets us a lot of interest from external people and they find it very interesting what we're able to build with community funds. Again, Dash really pioneered this back in the day, but. I don't know, Zane, what do you think, man? Well, this kind of goes along with what Josh was saying. If the point of EOSO isn't specifically for price appreciation, for speculating a lot of these common things, it's for actually changing the way we do business and voting, representing ourselves, governing, becoming more decentralized. If the main chain, which everyone agreed, let's launch with one chain and we use those funds and we use the people and the resources that was the community. And Mm. since then, we've seen forks here and there but they're all kind of going towards the same idea to help provide more and better services. So I think using a controlled amount distributed and hopefully community polled methods so that it's, a, you know, it's not, let's just randomly give this big whale $10 million because he voted on it himself. You know, let's kind of avoid those things, but using it to build the infrastructure that all these other chains can also implement. I, I, don't, I see that as helping maybe their governance won't prevent them from instituting something. But that is benefit yeah. technology from this chain, kind of how I know Warbly and Lao Mao, a lot of different teams have tried to do IBC, inter-blockchain connectivity. Uh, yeah, that's what Saeed was talking about as well. Like, yeah. Why don't we go ahead and build that out and just, you know, I, I don't know. And I think the earlier the better because you know, we're going to mess up the first few times, but it's going to get better. Yeah, as Zane and I have definitely through the past month of thinking, we've switched our stance on this. You know, we're both pretty hardcore Austrians here and uh, we, we come from the gold and silver world before Bitcoin and then into Bitcoin and now into EOS, but our thinking and just keeping it honest right now, you know, this is one thing about proxies that I wish more proxies and NBPs for that matter, but like go on the record for what you're currently thinking. 
-hmm. if you change your mind, just don't be a Peter Schiff. Just say just you say change it. your mind. And, and people respect that. People, people respect when you – and the haters, like, for, for example, I'm going to go on a little rant here. But EOS New York changed their mind about supporting ECAF. And they had a very well-written-out reasoning for it. And people are holding their feet to the fire. Oh, my God, if you change your mind in this space, you're an asshole. Well, who doesn't change their mind? If you don't change your mind, you're not curious. And if you're not curious, get the hell out of here, right? You're probably but, falling behind if you're not changing your mind yeah. at some point. No doubt. So, Especially in this space. For, it moves so fast. So just for the record here, Zane and I are changing our minds and our understanding and appreciation for the value that can be created by using WPS. I'll put it there. So. Because we were taught inflation, my enemy. Always bad. The Mises the Institute. Smart, the smartest guys in the room, the Austrians. Mises is my boy. I, I, you know? I totally, uh, yeah. I, here we are. Me too. So here we are, you know, uh, and it's, and, and I got to give mad props to Dan Larimer for helping me understand the concept of voluntary inflation. We'd never heard of this before. Right. <laughs> We'd never it was even. always like the easiest rallying point. Yeah. Sound money, don't print it. Yeah, okay. exactly. But nobody ever talked really about, you know, what happens if we as a community decide to create our own money and then we can somehow reach consensus to use additional money printing to, to value, to try to create value for us. To build and our own roads. <laughs> we'll build our own damn roads. Yeah. We'll build our blockchain. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. Where so we're running up about an hour here, fellas, and I'd like to I'd like to write out on one last topic of conversation that we haven't covered yet. Does anybody being a roundtable? Anybody got anything? Sure, I think one thing that comes up a lot that's pretty important to to talk about. Uh, one thing that was added to the to the JSON when you when you actually create a proposal that that Mathieu put in there was the type field. Um, so what that's used for um, in terms of referendum. Is I, I wrote out a whole long technical paper on you can define a type of proposal that you're making. So let's say you want something that's just an opinion poll, and I just want to ask people, you know, yes or no. You would use the type poll dash you know yn dash v1 for you know version one. And if you want to do a referendum, you would put referendum dash v1. And then the UIs can actually read that and say, hey, this should be uh, stored in a certain way, or maybe categorized or filtered in a different way. And then BPs should also be able to look at that and say, hey, these are the things that are important to look at. These are the things that people are just grabbing an opinion on. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of things like that that we added into the functionality of the smart contract that are super important. And if you want to be someone who writes proposal, I think it's super important to learn about that. And I've been spreading this, uh, this link around. It's you know, EEP4. And the EEP is a program we developed uh, based on you know, Bitcoin's BIPs. Uh, yep. Bitcoin improvement proposals, yep. Ethereum's EIP is same thing. And so we did EOS enhancement proposals because we need to start coming together as a community and yeah. creating standards. So in, in terms of the referendum, we had to make something that was uh, understandable by all, all the different UIs can use it, any proposer can use it. And this goes down to you know a, a really important type that I think was created is the multi-select option. So uh, Matthew did a great job in optimizing the amount of RAM. So it's 430 bytes, you can store you know, a, a value from 0 to 256, uh, oh, sorry, it's 0 to 255. And so within that, let's say you wanted to have a, a vote, someone created a proposal as a test, you know, which uh, search engine do you use, you know, Google, Bing, AltaVista, Ask Jeeves, like some funny ones too, but you can actually select 
up to eight of those things, and it's still stored within the same amount of RAM. Mm. Um, so that was a, a really important feature that we felt uh, was possible with this in the way that Matthew coded it. And so you can actually ask a lot of different kinds of questions, and the different UIs will automatically parse what kind of question you're asking and what it should present to the person who's going to vote on that. So I think types is very, very important for people. Yeah, to Matthew, you must be using the same uh, RAM model that they use in the original Legend of Zelda because I remember 255 rupees being the maximum. <laughs> it might be a hate <laughs> game. Eh? I, can, I can remember that. Um, so you, you spoke about standardization, Josh, and I, I love the idea of being an engineer. Um, you know, it's, it, it keeps predictability um, in the community. And I, I can't remember who wrote it, but somebody recently wrote an article on trying best practices for creating a, a referendum proposal. Um, yeah, so it's a ballot craft group, um, mainly led by Brandon Espinosa from Strongblock. Yeah, uh, I haven't read it yet, but if you guys have, if you want to highlight some of the points, because I see some, as much as I want to vote for the decaf, you know, I'm definitely not interested in having an ecaf in the Constitution. I, I didn't want to put our Freedom Proxy name on it yet because I thought it was so poorly crafted. Does anyone have any, you know, anybody want to expand on that? You, you hit the nail on the head. Like uh, one of the biggest challenge, we talked about this already, the biggest challenge is going to be hitting that threshold. So um, the barrier is not... Um, coming up with a proposal it's it's gathering that community support and the, to get the best chance at succeeding you want to make sure that your proposal is crafted in a way that's um, very easy to understand from everybody who's voting on it so everyone is clear on okay what happens if this passes it's also clear for the block producers you know in the in the event that this passes what is it exactly that the block producers will have to do to to implement that um, there are a lot of things around best practices like how you craft the language translations um and and they did it, you know. And there there has been some feedback from the community that this is a little bit too high of a bar to to impose on people who want to craft a proposal. Uh, but I would turn that around and say, really, you know, putting a proposal forward is not meant to be easy. It's mm. it's a lot of work. You got to really know what you're doing. You got to put a lot of effort into building that that support from you behind the community. And I think the ballot craft group did a great job at studying. So they they were having me and Josh in on their calls, for example, just to make sure they understand the limitations of the system we were building and they had been doing all kinds of crazy research on, on, you know, in the, in the real world, how our referendums done and what is, what are examples of ones that were successful and ones that were not successful and how are those ballots crafted? And um, so they took all of that information together to craft something that I think is very valuable to someone who wants to create a proposal that has a higher chance of succeeding. And I think that's, um, you know, one of the reasons we'll see that that Rex proposal that's currently, I think the second highest voted, um, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Especially yeah. if we're just going to get one or two, possibly three or four of these pass per year, then it's, it behooves you to write something very professional. And I'm, I'm also interested in like the possibility of BPs coming on and being like, if this passes, we will implement it. Yeah. Maybe a flag of some sort. I'm not sure because, you know, Luke Stokes, um, he has some good arguments about, Oh sure. The community wants this whose obligation is it now? You know, so having maybe right. ability somehow on chain for BPs to be like, yeah, we, not only do we support this theoretically, we would, uh, we would be on the team to help implement this and having standardization in the worker, uh, in the uh, referendum structure so that you can scan it and be like, okay, this is the background. This is the pain. This is how we would execute. This is how much we think this would cost. Maybe I'm not sure. And these are the BPs that are currently uh, signed on. 
as supporters and executioners. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see anything on chain, but I, I definitely suspect that we're going to be seeing VPs endorsing proposals. We're already seeing that with this Rex proposal. Mm. Uh, I can say for sure EOS Nation is supporting that proposal. We're, in, we're, in, we're going to be putting our, our marketing behind to try to get the word out, try to get more people voting on it. Uh, we were uh, you know, partially involved in, in helping to craft it. Um, and yeah, so I could definitely say that you know, publicly we're stating that this is something we're supporting, although there's no, you know, besides us voting for it, um, no way to indicate that on chain at this time. Yeah, it's going to be awesome too. Having f- seen people create tools to to help proxies go through and see which BPs are voting for which referendums, because you know I, I'm a I'm a big fan of strong identity, but as well as as all of you know, publicly expressing opinions. And sometimes I stick my foot in my mouth, and that's true. But that's part that's part of helping build that transparency. And I, I know as a, a you know a co-founder of Proxy. Uh, we'll definitely be interested to see how people vote. We've already started unvoting BPs for their stance on ECAF, for instance, and this is how delegated proof of stake works. Um, but uh, I, I really appreciate everyone. Josh, I think you may have had, did you have anything that you wanted to? Yeah, I just wanted to add one more thing, uh, just especially about the the ballot craft guide that came out. It mm-hmm. should be seen, again, as just a best practice, mm-hmm. uh, in our opinion, a best practice. It doesn't mean it's all pure voluntary. So anyone can do whatever they feel they want to do. It's just a matter of here are some tips and tricks that might help you. And I'm also kind of a believer that if someone wants to propose something, it's worth reading through what's out there in terms of best practices, uh, reading through the different types of proposals you can create. Because if you're not willing to put in the hour of work to figure out, hey, what should I do for this to make, make sure that my proposal has the best chance, maybe you're not at the stage yet of being able to try and influence this massive community of 650,000 accounts. And that's, it might sound harsher than what, what I'm trying to say, but we made the UI stupidly simple to vote, mm-hmm. but maybe a little bit more involved to actually create that proposal. And I think that's a, an acceptable barrier. A hundred percent. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go, go, go. I was just going to say different UIs seem to already be taking a different, um, um, focus on different things like for example the the eos votes ui which was kind of the proof of concept that we've we've built as we were building the system we don't even have a feature in there that makes it possible to propose um it's designed really to be an educational first platform so this is something that steve floyd was involved in being and helping us design Uh, anna helped us do all of the educational content and the the goal was make it dead simple very few options of filtering it's just to put them in order of most popular at the top, there's a vote button, dead easy to vote. Then there are other UIs out there who are um, you know, more focused on the, on the proposing side of things. Um, there are UIs out there, uh, like EOS Authority have done a great job at adding all, these, all this data into, um, you know, if you look at each individual proposal, you can see all the breakdown of, of how things are voting. Uh, EOS Titan has done, uh, uh, they've done the best uh, filtering I've seen in terms of, if you, if you look at their, here's all the list of, proposals that are available they have all these filters that the user can choose to set the filters how they want and see the proposals that you know as they want so it's uh, we're already seeing different uis taking different approaches and targeting different sets of users Um, so i suspect there will be likely one targeted to proxies for example saying you know here's make it let's make it dead easy for our proxy um, our proxies to know what bps are voting on you know putting an emphasis on that type of data yeah, and I'm hoping there can even be something to sort for. This is what all the proxies did. 
comparison. This is what all the BPs did comparison. Sure. This is what they say they will support. Like yeah. some easy visuals. I think that that'd be much appreciated. But again, whenever you want something, you just tag Rohan and you tag Saeed, and usually there's a race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saeed's a monster. I'm gonna have to get him on the show sometime. You know, I'm also interested to see if we start voting very frequently, how many of our constituents remove their votes from us too. So I can get a, a gauge on how accurately we're representing the people who proxy to us. Uh, all these feedback mechanisms, you know, that's ultimately what we're doing here. We're trying to build more robustness and efficiency in reaching consensus. And I mean, if that's not what blockchain is fundamentally about, you know, I must be missing something, but it's, it's so exciting to watch. And there's not a lot of other chains which are taking this seriously and empowering individual token holders is what we're ultimately doing here. And I think that I understood that when I started listening to Dan a long time ago, that that's what he was trying to do. And it's going to, we're going to stand apart from these other chains that are just worried about being as technically proficient and ahead of the game as possible rather than finding that beautiful cross section between Yes, being, being an awesome technical chain, but also being an awesome social chain as well. And that's where I think so far nothing comes close to EOS, in my opinion. Uh, gentlemen, it's been awesome having all of you on the show. I've, I've learned a lot. Um, I, I learned specifically how people can unvote from proxies without completely unvoting. Thanks, Josh. That's mad props there. That's great. Um, if you guys ever need anything from Zane and I or from Free to Proxy, please reach out. Again, we've got uh, EOS Canada here. Thank you guys for coming on the show. EOS Nation, Daniel, appreciate it. And Rohan, EOS Authority. We've been supporting all three of you for a long time here. So you're some of the Thank best you. in the business here. We appreciate what you do. Appreciate your support. And we, yeah, we, I've been following you along from the start. Actually, you guys are doing great work here with, with EOS Radio and the proxy. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely one of my favorite proxies, if not my favorite. Uh, I also get a quick shout out to my boy, Denny Carrier. He's, he's our CTO at EOS Nation, was responsible for building the, the tally tool uh, for, the, for the referendum system. So I wanted to make sure we recognize him as well. Yeah, any other shout outs, guys? Yeah, I, I think the tally tool is amazing. So all of the UIs, uh, authority, blocks, everybody uses Denny's uh, tally tool. So it's pretty cool. And a big shout out to EOS Titan for writing a separate tally tool. Right. So now we have cross-verification, which is super, super important. Mm -hmm. and we hope to see others. Um, also a great UI with um, the most amazing filters possible. Yeah, and uh, I'd like to put a final word in. Like, so this whole thing is very new. Over the last three days, we've had so many requests for like improvements. We've made so many changes. Um, even little things like changing the size of the images and all of that. So we keep getting feedback. We'd love to hear um, from you all. Ideas on how to increase voter participation, what's missing, what helps, things like that. Um, as Josh said, just say, uh, just tag me on Telegram, and then we we aim to like get things around around in like a couple of days. Awesome, yeah. Whatever we can do to help increase voter participation. I mean, uh, Freedom Proxy. We we post on Twitter every single referendum we vote up or down on and the reasoning why and a, uh, a link to our transaction on the blockchain. And I, I really hope to see block producers doing the same um, proxies doing the same and even, even individuals. I mean, if you're passionate about something you vote some way, put it out there publicly. There's something about a public face and putting yourself out there to be willing to be judged that is going to create 
a more virtuous society. So um, I thank you guys so much. Again, if you feel what we're what we stand for, head on over to freedomproxy.org. You'll see every single block producer that we vote for, why we vote for them, where their locations of their uh, their nodes are on the graph on the map up at the top. Transparency is the number one thing here. That's why we have a blockchain. So until next time, this has been Ash and Zane is somewhere, but this is uh, Team Freedom Proxy signing out on EOS Radio number six. Referendums are live. What does it mean now? Thank you, everyone, for coming. Keep building Thanks, freedom. Guys. Ciao, ciao. It's been Thanks, a pleasure. Man. Thanks. Bye.